All right, let's turn to Acts chapter 15. Actually, no, Psalm 15. I do like Acts 15, and someday I will preach on that. But today it's Psalm 15. Um, We are in a series called 15, and we're looking at different passages from a chapter 15 in the Bible to give us a kind of a full menu of Scripture. Uh, It's a way of acknowledging our 15 years of being a church, uh, but it's also a way to just say, Holy Spirit, how are you speaking through different passages? And so the psalm I'm going to teach through today is going to bless your life for sure. I'm looking forward to this Wednesday at CIL Forward. You just heard about it online, but uh, on the video, but I want to give you a personal invitation. Hey, join me if you want to learn more about the church. And I want to announce something really exciting. Beth and I are going to take a group to Israel next year. We did it last year. We had a great time. And hey, is that, is that my first deposit? All right, come on. Uh, th- so here's the deal. Take out your phone if you want to, if you want to hit that um, UR, not URL code, but the QR code, excuse me. Uh, if, if you don't want to do that, you can con- text me directly, text Beth directly. Uh, this won't be on Church Center. We have another sign-up system. But we want you to come to a Zoom meeting next Sunday night. We're going to have two different Zoom meetings, one at 5 p.m., one at 8 p.m. So, so take advantage of that. Um, find out what it would take to go to Israel. And if God puts it in your heart, he, if he puts pilgrimage in your heart, I believe he's going to provide a way for you. So consider that. Those of you in education, this might be our last summer trip. I'm not trying to be manipulative, but I'm just saying, hey, uh, in the future, I'd rather go in the winter than the summer, but we're going next summer. So consider that, and we would love to tell you more about it. Now, guys, I grew up um, in the faith when I was early, and I hadn't quite discovered everything that Jesus was about. I had some spiritual pride, and I would enjoy what I call gotcha verses, where like I would look at the verse and I would say, hey, when I look at this verse, I feel pretty good about myself compared to this person I go to school with or this person I work with. And, and this scripture that, that I read makes me feel better about my morality and my effort. And that was before I understood proper teaching of scripture that all of us, we're all sinners and without Christ, none of us can put faith in ourselves or faith in our own efforts and our own abilities. And so we're going to read Psalm 15 today. And the title of my message is this, the characteristics of the chosen, the characteristics of the chosen. And, And I reflected on this to think about how I used to read the scripture when I didn't understand what Jesus had done for us. And now I look at the scripture much more differently, and I hope you can see that same perspective today. Now, I want to give you a quick little teaching on the Psalms or the Psalm, because I made a mistake about this years ago in my first year pastoring here. By the way, it's Psalm 15, that's one song, but it's all of the Psalms. So for years I preached Psalms 15, but it's actually Psalm 15. So I just want to give that little extra credit, all right? Just the reason why is because a great brother in the Lord right out there in that lobby corrected me on that. And so I'm like, hey, man, when you're right, you're right. And I was wrong, and he was right. So Psalm 15, and we're going to break it down as the Lord, the Lord leads us through the scripture. Lord, who can dwell in your tent? And can, who can live on your holy mountain? Let's stop there just for a second. Now, speaking of Israel, 
One of the things we learned when we were in Jerusalem is the temple is at a high place. It's like on top of a mountain. You think of Israel as just being desert, and there's a lot of desert there. But there's also, in Jerusalem, it's a series of mountains, really. And I was thinking about our area and thinking about how there are certain places that, that you can see in many, by many, many angles in our area. Like the Dollar General Headquarters. I mean, it's, it's like lofty and high. Those of you who work there, I don't know if you think about the Dollar General headquarters as the temple of the Lord, but it is somewhere high that you can see and you can see from different angles and far away. I thought about in the station camp area, there's Knobs Hill, Knobs Point, excuse me. It's a place where there's a cross at, at Christmas. And often in that area, lots of places in Hendersonville and Gallatin, you can identify Knobs Point. So this is a reflective psalm. And David is reflecting, and he's likely, likely looking at the temple, which is high, is, is a high place, and out of this, he reflects. And so we'll reread verse 1, we'll finish the passage, and then I'll present this as the word of the Lord. Lord, who can dwell in your tent? Who can live on your holy mountain? The one who lives blamelessly, practices righteousness, and acknowledges the truth in his heart who does not slander with his tongue, who does not harm his friend or discredit his neighbor, who despises the one rejected by the Lord, but honors those who fear the Lord, who keeps his word, whatever the cost. Whoever does not lend his silver at interest or take a bribe against the innocent, the one who does these things will never be shaken. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Yeah, here's the question. Like who can go up to the temple? Who can go to the high place? Well, there's a whole list here. Those, those who, who do certain behaviors, certain characteristics. And man, I wrongly used to think, oh, I'm doing pretty good at those. But the truth is no one, no one can follow this list completely and errorlessly without the help of the Holy Spirit. I mean, you may be good at one thing, right? You may be good at, with your finances and you're not charging people interest, you shouldn't. But on the other hand, you can't control your mouth. You may be disciplined with your mouth, but you may have something else on this list that you're not as skilled at or as developed in. Here's the point. The point is that righteousness doesn't come through effort anymore. That was the Old Testament. Things in the Old Testament either passed through the cross, changed or unchanged. And when it comes to righteousness, our standing with God, the way we related to God in the Old Covenant is different than in the New Covenant. So the question is, okay, well, you just read Psalm 15. Is it obsolete now. Psalm 15, obsolete? Well, kind of, yes, and kind of no. It's obsolete in the way I originally read it, as a qualifier, thinking, oh God, I'm following the list at 80%. I'm really more qualified than the person following it at 68%. It's obsolete from that angle. Yeah, no, it's not a qualifier. 
It's not a qualifier as, as if God's looking at our karma, which is a, a, a word from another religion and saying, okay, they're kind of good, kind of better this week. And now because they're a little bit better this week, they can come into my presence. No, that's not what it's for. This is a describer. We're not looking to qualify ourselves by our effort, but we're looking to see the characteristics of God come out of our life as we seek God. As you seek the high place, as you go for the Lord, then these characteristics become part of who you are. Righteousness is not a righteousness is not something we earn, it's something that we receive. I'm going to give you six words today. Six six easy words from this passage. Here's the first word. Position. Position. The the question is on reflection, Lord, who can dwell in your tent? Who can live on your holy mountain? That's a good question. Who can do it? The one who lives blamelessly, practices righteousness, and acknowledges the truth in his heart. So right away, I just want to say as the one preaching the sermon, I'm disqualified to to go to the mountain of the Lord. Because I'm not blameless. I want to be blameless most of the time. And then sometimes I don't even want to be blameless. I just want to get away with without being blamed. So I'm disqualified right now and you're disqualified. Who can go? Who can go to the hill of the Lord? Who can ascend? Those who are blamed. Well, that's none of us. And that's why we need Jesus. Because Jesus took the blame upon himself through the cross and through the resurrection. And that's why we celebrate Jesus. We talk about Jesus We focus on Jesus. That's why we'll have communion at the end of the service to center ourselves on the story of Jesus because he he has done for us what we can't do for ourselves. Righteousness is a position, not a practice. Righteousness is a gift. It's not grit. Righteousness is not earned. It's imparted, which means Jesus imparts righteousness upon us because of what he did for us. There's a real fancy theological word, you can learn it today, called imputed. When's the last time you used the word impute? Jesus imputes righteousness, which means this, it's a legal term. Back in the Roman world, that means he writes it in the book. It's legally bound. Righteousness is in the books for you. Righteousness has been imputed to you. So like he has written it in his books. It's legally bound. You're righteous, not because you're blameless in your conduct, but because Jesus did for you what you can't do for yourself. And that's why Psalm 15 is not a list of something we follow. Psalms 15 is an outflow of, of, of walking with the Lord. It's the characteristics that he's developing in us. This is such an important scripture for us to continue to look at. Ephesians chapter two, starting with verse eight. Now there's two important scriptures that give two equally important points. For you are saved by grace through faith. This is not from yourselves. So even the faith is not from yourselves. Even that ability to raise your hand, to sign a card, to walk an aisle, that's not even from yourselves. That, that faith is a gift. Faith is a gift. So the Holy Spirit draws you to Jesus, prepares you to give your life to Jesus. It's God's gift. So we just rest in that, right? Okay, faith is God's gift. I'm so glad I'm not living under the old way we read Psalm 15. 
that only, only the few, only, 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 a, only a handful of people in the church are welcome to the table of the Lord. Only a handful of people in the church can lift their hands and worship or are really connected with this presence. No, no, grace, we're under a gift. Now, verse nine is equally important. Sometimes we stop at verse eight. Verse nine says this. Oh, well, verse 10 is our not from, yeah, not from work so that no one can boast. Verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. So this is great. We're saved freely, not by effort, not by anything we can do. And then once the life of Christ has been given to us, we've been imputed with righteousness. He's written it in the books. Then it begins to impact the way we live and the way, the way we go about our business. And that's what I'm seeing in Psalm 15. That's why I wanna give you the second word today, your mind. First, we got our position. Now, as people who are positioned in righteousness, we're gonna think differently. Look at verse two. The one who lives blamelessly practices righteousness, and look at this word, and acknowledges the truth in his heart. There's a changing of our mindset. The word repentance is an important word. Repentance especially the New Testament definition means a changing of our mind. So we change our mind to agree with what God says. It's easy to, become, to get into an agreement with myself, with my preferences, my perspective, my opinion. But repentance means I'm gonna get in line with God and I wanna get in line with his perspective. And when you change your mind and repent, it changes your behavior. I'll prove this by eggs. It used to be, some of you may remember this, that we thought that eggs were terrible for you. Some of you older people, older me, that there was a thought like, if you eat eggs, if you have two eggs for breakfast and maybe a third, your cholesterol is just gonna go so high up and you'll die next week. That was like the thought, like eggs were bad. Like eggs were like a luxury. It's like you, you put eggs on your plate and you wanted to hide eggs at the Shoney's buffet and then look really you know, healthy with things like yogurt and bagels and things of that nature. Eggs were on the bad list. People thought eggs were bad for you. Now we didn't look at the scientific study that farmers who ate eggs every morning seemed to live longer than the rest of us, you know, who were in our office cubicles with a, a bagel and cream cheese. Now, all of like the in-shape people, they love eggs, man. They're like, I'll have eggs for breakfast, for lunch, my midday stack. It's like protein, not too many calories. Eggs are good for you. It's not wasted calories. And so we changed our mind about eggs and then it changed our behavior about eggs. That's how it is with repentance. You change your mind about sin in your life. You change your mind about priorities in your life. You change your mind about what really matters in your life. And when you change your mind, then it changes your behavior. Verse two says, who's, who, who's gonna go to the hill of the Lord? Those people position correctly, their mind, they, their mind, they have knowledge of the truth in their heart. Here's the third word, mouth, mouth. Now, I'm not gonna talk too much about this today because next week's sermon in Proverbs 15, guys, we're gonna talk about, 
We're going to talk about the mouth a lot. And man, there's a lot of stuff in the Proverbs about the mouth. Oh, verse three says this. Who does not slander with his tongue, who does not harm his friend or discredit his neighbors. This is the characteristics of those positioned in righteousness with the Lord. That word slander, when I understood what that meant, is a powerful, powerful challenge to my life. Slander is when we say something to try to belittle someone else. So this can be a direct attack upon their character or just talking bad about them, but it also can be something, something like that we question somebody. Like we, you know, we put a question in someone's mind with, with ill intent. Like I could say like, Jacob Bell, I mean, do you think he is really good at, at um, what's that game, hacky set game where you throw? Cornhole, thank you. Yeah, that cornhole left my head. I was trying to find the most innocent thing and then it, then it left my mind. Is Jacob, Jacob's really not that good at cornhole. He thinks he's good at cornhole. He's just not that great. That can be a form of slander because I'm using language to try to get you to think less of Jacob's cornhole, cornhole ability. So th- this, is, this is something, again, we'll dig into this a little bit next week. But we also know that false testimony is a big issue. It was big with the original Ten Commandments because when you don't tell the truth about someone else or lie about someone, it is very damaging. It's damaging to our whole civic system, our whole justice system. And those who are positioned in righteousness... Those who, we've been, we've been imputed with righteousness. We've been given righteousness. We've been birthed in righteousness. It's going to impact the way we think for people of repentance. And it's going to impact the way we talk. And we'll talk more about that next week. Here's the third word. Relationships. Relationships. I have two of my best friends who had never met each other. Uh, but they met each other in an academic setting. Dr. Carlos Serrano, uh, he's a longtime friend. He's a, fr- he's a president of Mana University. And he was at a meeting where he met Dr. Charles Golden, which some of you know. So I was telling Charles this. I said, Carlos, one of my best friends. And, and Charles was so impressed. He said, oh, Carlo is great. And I'm so glad to meet him and on and on and on. And then he said something, and you've heard this phrase before. And for the handful of you who know Charles, he's very dignified when he says things. He said, Aaron, you know what they say? A man is known by his friends. A man is known by his friends. Well, I had heard that phrase. I think my grandmother had said it, but I had not heard it in a long time. So I began to think, well, that's a great scripture. But it's not really directly in scripture. I was like, man, it should have been. I mean, if there needs to be like a Revelation chapter 22, we'll put that in there. Uh, but it also is in scripture. Uh, it is inferred in scripture in many, many different ways. But I, I started studying the origin of this phrase and there really isn't a, a, an agreed upon origin. It showed up in different literature hundreds of years ago, taken probably from the original scripture, maybe the original translation of the Proverbs. And, and so, but, but the point is this, you know, it's true. And I think, I think all of these different types of literature, even scripture know it's true that you are identified by your relationships. You're identified by the people you associate with. 
And so that's something that, that's just a general principle. Now, Jesus, we know, friend of sinners, thank God, he's been a friend of mine. So we know that we're not so fragile that we can't spend time with people of low character, but our unguarded time must be with, with people who take us higher. And this is a characteristics when we walk with the Lord. Look at verse four. The one who despises the one rejected by the Lord, rejected by the Lord, but honors those who fear the Lord. Now that's a strong word right there. Again, that's some Old Testament language here. Who despises the one rejected by the Lord, but honors the one who fears the Lord. Kind of strong languages. And we know that in the scope of Jesus' teaching on relationship, that we, we want to have the fruits of the Holy Spirit. But here's the principle that I want you to get from this. Sometimes at our business, at our school, on our team, in our choir, the, the person who is the rudest, the loudest, the angriest, is simultaneously the most popular person. Like we're just drawn to rude people. We're drawn to angry people. We're drawn to uh, that person who can cut down a room or who can divide a room or who can, who can belittle someone. And we're like, well, she's funny or he's funny. And I don't wanna be on their bad side. And I don't wanna be, I don't wanna be uh, the victim of, of their behavior. And so, so we begin to acquiesce to that person. And that's what I'm getting out of the scripture. Scripture says, listen, those of you who walk with the Lord, you're gonna despise the ones who reject the Lord, but you're gonna honor the righteous one. And this is what I just think the Lord may be saying to some people in here. There is a believer in your sphere that may be quiet, unassuming. They may be unpopular. They may be unnoticed, but the Lord wants you to honor that person. The Lord wants you to honor that person. Don't be, so, don't be so easily drawn to those who are exuding characteristics that oppose scriptural principles. Instead, who is the person who fears the Lord? Who is the person who has a humility about them, that has a godliness about, a goodness about them? And, and I just think there might be someone on your team that everyone is overlooking. To some of you teenagers, think about it. There's someone in your choir that isn't, is being overlooked, but God's gonna use you to bring them forward because they have a godliness that you can recognize and you can honor them. There, there's someone that in your business that is honorable, but they're honorable, but they're overlooked. And, and I want us to be the type of people that say, as, we, as we're going for the things of God and we're going for the Lord, we're we're looking for people who exude God's goodness and we're gonna promote the goodness of God within them. Look at that scripture again. So it can, now that I've explained my interpretation of that, you, you may have a different, a, a different, a deeper perspective here. Verse four, who despises the one rejected by the Lord, but honors those who fear the Lord. And I just have this sense that God wants some of you to honor someone godly in your life that has been overlooked. Proverbs 13, 20 says, the one who walks with the wise will become wise, but a companion of fool, fools will suffer harm. We're, we're drawn to charisma. That's why they call it charisma. We're, you know, we're drawn to the powerful, the beautiful, the edgy, the rebellious, the unique. And like, oh, I wanna, I wanna be in the picture with them. I, I wanna be seen with them. 
Watch that spirit on you. Instead, honor. Honor the one among you who fears the Lord, who loves the Lord. And, and that's part of the characteristics of those who follow the Lord. Here's the fourth word, character. Character. Look at verse, verse uh, four, the second part. Who, who keeps his word, whatever the cost. Who keeps his word, whatever the cost. Man, that's the type of person I want to be. Am I? Yeah, sometimes. I've got some great stories about me keeping my word I would love to insert in this part of the sermon. But if I'm being intellectually honest, I also have some stories that I'm kind of, I'm not kind of, I am embarrassed about when I did not keep my word. I've got the microphone today, so I could tell you one and not tell you the other. You want to hear some of the embarrassing stories? Well, you're not going to hear them because I'm embarrassed about them. The truth is this, is that, is that keeping our word is a characteristic of those who are pursuing God, of those who have been imputed with righteousness. And we should get better and better and better at keeping our word, even when it costs us something. We shouldn't excuse ourselves. We should be people of high character. We should be people who, who, when we say something, even the apostle James said this, let your yes be yes and your no be no. I used to tease people all the time, play tricks on them, play these games, and that scripture convicted me. And I was really funny when I used to do that. Oh my gosh, it was so funny. But the scripture said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. And I had to decide, do I wanna try to be funny or do I wanna try to follow the Lord? Which is more important to me. I can keep playing these tricks on people and laugh and create these funny memories. Or can I be a person that when Aaron says yes, he means yes. And that's the type of person I try to be and I wanna be. I haven't always been that, but I'm getting better at it. And, and, and you can get better at it too. That's the type of people who follow the Lord. Then some of you, the Lord is gonna remind you of that little phrase sometime in the next few months. And you're gonna keep your word even when it costs you something. And it's a good discipline. It's like, it's like growing a muscle. Try it sometime. Try it. Try to keep your word when you can get away with it. And you'll feel stronger. You'll, it's like you'll feel your character strengthen within you. People are like, well, it's no big deal. Well, it's a big deal to me. I'm keeping my word on this issue. That's the type of people. We're not, again, I'm not saying we're doing this to qualify ourselves for righteousness because we're already positioned to have righteousness. I'm saying this because we've been imputed with the righteousness, given righteousness, this is who we are. We are these types of people. Dallas Willard, he's a great Christian philosopher. I quote him often. He wrote this, great power requires great character if it's to be a blessing and not a curse. And that character is something we only grow toward. That's why, you know, a, a, great, a great sign that someone's hiding something is when they're like, don't question my character. Don't question my integrity. Because we should be like, question my integrity. Because if there's something wrong, I need to correct it. This whole defense, you're... you're, you're, you're question of my character, question of my integrity could be, I'm not saying it's a, it's a law, but it could be someone just trying to hide something. So, so we say this, that we grow, as Willard says, we grow 
towards this, which means if you have the reputation of having character, watch out and submit it to the Lord. Because when we build our reputation, we're more vulnerable than when we are on the way up. And so I say that out of love, that the Lord is your helper and he is helping you. Here's, here's the, well, I lost count somewhere. Maybe I'm only giving you five. So, all right, this is number six. What's the next one I'm going to talk about? It's our finances. Did I miss one in there? Okay, well, that's all right. That's why I wish, wish I could talk our media team to recording the second service instead of the first service, but they like the first service better. So I get better at 1045 if you ever want to come back at 1045. <laughs> Who does not lend his silver at interest, verse 5, or take a bribe against the innocent. So this very much parallels uh, a sermon I just gave a couple of weeks ago about being tight-fisted and being generous. So we don't, we don't have to elaborate on this. But verse 5, th- this is the characteristics of those who follow the Lord. And I encourage you, if you need some just more teaching on that, go back a couple of weeks when I talk about being tight-fisted and when I talk about Deuteronomy 15. And, and, and be open, be ready to give, be ready to give what you have, be, be ready to wisely share. And so what I see here is the characteristics of the godly, instead of using people to build resources, we use resources to build people. I'm going to say that again. It's just a little play on words. Instead of using people to build resources, I'm going to use, they're going to help me build this church, build this organization, build this business. No, we build resources we use resources to build people. And as I was thinking about this and reflecting on this just yesterday, praying through this sermon, I feel like somebody in here, and there may be several of you, think that you started a business, but you've actually birthed a people-building entity. I want you to hear that. You are not just building a business. You're building the people connected with the business. And I want you to hear that. The Lord... The Lord has great things that he's doing through leadership development in your sector, in your business, in your industry, and the Lord is working towards that. I want to conclude with verse 5. This is going to be good stuff for you. Verse 5 says this, the second part. The one who does these things will never be shaken. Hey, isn't that true when we walk with the Lord and we're walking with the presence of the Lord and he's changing our character and he's changing our mind and he's changing our mouth and he's changing our friends and our network and and he's changing the way we deal with our character and with our money and we realize that God is getting every part of us. I told you at the beginning of the service, like none of us, some of us are good at one, two of these, but none of us are good at all of them. But when the presence of the Lord is shaping us, changing us, transforming us, when we're including God, when God has access to those parts of our life, when God is speaking to us, when scripture is informing us, then we become solid and we're not shaken. We, we know who we are in the Lord. Another Psalm, Psalm 62 says it this way, for God alone, my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. Now look at verse, this next verse. And it's not up there, but it was good. Now listen in, in, in your ear. No, not that one. 
This is, this is Psalm 62 too. For he alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. Now listen to this. I will not be greatly shaken. I just love the way, especially the ESV puts that in Psalm 62, verse two. It's chapter 62, verse, verse two. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. Now, I don't know about this. Maybe I'll be shaken up a little bit, shaken up for a moment, shaken up for the afternoon, but I will not be greatly shaken. I, I, I know this, that life gets tough. Life gets challenging. Life has, has different things that, that surprise us, that maybe knock us off balance, that get us off focus. But when we're following the Lord, claim verse two, we will not be greatly shaken. I wanna invite those of you who are, are gonna be part of our usher team to go to the back to begin to prepare to distribute communion. We're gonna pass out communion today like we did back in the teens in those days just to kind of change things up a little bit because we wanna focus on the bread and the cup and focus on what's happening there and not get attached to a form. We wanna get attached to the God of the form, the God who has invited us to the table. And ladies and gentlemen back there, I'll pray in a moment. When I pray, y'all can come forward. I know you're getting situated, but I want you to hear this. As we, we talk about verse five, I will not be shaken. Those, those who follow the Lord, this is what verse five said. Those who do these things will never be shaken. Psalm 62, one and two says that God is the one we wait on. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. This is what I want you to see in your life. I want you to see a vision. When, you, when you're in Psalm 15, you're moving somewhere. You're going somewhere. Jesus has positioned you. Jesus has qualified you. You're, you're, you have movement in your life. You're headed to the high places in the Lord. And along the way, he's changing. And, and we'll, we'll just wait here until after my prayer, Philip. We'll just, we'll just wait until after my prayer. Um, we're, 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 as we're going to the high places, he's changing us. He's moving in us. He's doing great things and, and changing our mouth, changing our character, changing who you are. And then we will not be shaken because of that. We will be strong. We will be strong. We will be established. We will not be moved when we follow the presence of the Lord. A scripture that often comes up, but we don't read as much as we should is from 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. You are, my, you are from God, little children. And you have conquered them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. The presence of the Lord, the, the, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the deposit of the word of God, the development of the fruit of the Spirit. These are the things within us that are being shaped. And that's why we're going to the high places with the Lord. So I wanna pray together. Let's pray together. Father, we just love you. We thank you, God, for this opportunity to focus on you today. We turn our hearts towards you, God. We turn our, Father, I pray, Lord, that if there's any sin in our lives, Lord, that we would be ready to repent of those. Lord, sins that we knew about when we came in here, but there's also sins that may have become more apparent as we, as we arrived and as we were in your presence. So we just submit those to you and we love you and we thank you for that.